Ready, set, go! Welcome to the EV Diaries, your home for EVs in small town America. I'm your host, Ben. If you're a regular listener, I know that you've noticed that I have been absent the past couple of weeks. In fact, the last episode I recorded was uh, published on March 4th. Plenty has transpired since then. Now, I had planned to do an episode for the 11th and then another for my EV owner anniversary. But after March 4th, I spent two very intensive weeks of both physical and mental just tasking jobs. Um, I, and the, during that, I was trying to get back to a regular exercise program. I was getting up at 4 a.m. and going to bed at 9 or 10 o'clock, sometimes midnight. I spent one particularly hard day last week where I spent the better part of 18 hours developing spreadsheets. Now, when I say the better part, I stopped long enough to eat and use the bathroom during those 18 hours. Um, After about three hours of sleep, after all that, I spent the next six hours looking for and correcting mistakes in those spreadsheets. And let me tell you, two o'clock in the morning, I was making plenty of mistakes at that point. Anyway, I think there were uh, six total spreadsheets, H. Eight tabs each, which, you know, doesn't seem too bad, but a lot of the effort was sifting through just tons and tons of old data to identify the information that I needed to construct the spreadsheets in the first place. It's a job that should have taken me a week, but I was challenged to have it done in less than 24 hours because the information was needed. Um... I don't know how I did. I've not received any feedback on it other than a thank you for getting it done in time. Anyway, task completed. Uh, I continued about the rest of my day. And that evening, um, I spent some time on my back porch, which if you've listened to the show, I absolutely love my back porch. And it's where I spend as much time as I can in warmer months. Well, that Tuesday was warm and I seized the opportunity to sit on the porch. That evening, all I can say is I can I had what I can only describe as a seasonal allergy fit. So two Benadryl and eight hours of sleep later, I woke up with a sore throat and congestion. So for the rest of the day, I continued to work, but Uh, To say the least, I wasn't very productive or effective. Uh, Fueled by Dayquil and Gatorade, I mustered on. And as a side note, I'll just tell you that I had fatigue and stiffness, but no fever. By Wednesday evening, um, it was worse. And I decided that Thursday would be a day to recoup. Now... You see, I do this from time to time. 
I'll go full tilt for several weeks and then my body just goes into shutdown mode for a few days. And I sort of thought that might be what was going on. Uh, Thursday was spent not hitting a lick at anything. Um, other than responding to a few email, I watched Thor movies all day on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I hadn't seen Dark World, so, you know, there you go. When I didn't seem much better, I decided that Friday morning I would go to the doctor. And at this point, my wife was expecting what you may be thinking at this point of the story. Um, turns out, I don't have the Roni. Uh, and the doctor just uh, suggested that it was an upper respiratory infection. Didn't give me anything for it, so, you know, there you go. Um, Saturday, I was about 75%, and I decided that I was going to start working on a few things. Still had some congestion, and still had some... Um, you know, a little bit of a cough. Remember, too, that I'm not only an engineer, I have some entrepreneurial um, endeavors going on, and I also have a family to attend to. Sunday rolled around, I was a little bit better, um, and I decided that I was going to resume full operation on Monday, just like everything was uh, hunky-dory. Wednesday, uh, yesterday, I finally started feeling myself, but you still may pick up on some congestion and a little bit of gravel in my voice. Uh, I'm just glad that it wasn't the coronavirus. Okay, so enough catching up. Let's talk about my one-year EV ownership assessment. Okay, by the numbers, this is a summary of one year of data, and keep in mind this includes data for level one, level two, and DC fast charging. Total miles were 9,442, which is an average of 181 miles per week. The kilowatt hours delivered during charging was 2,610.3. Uh, let's see. My average energy consumption was 4.3 kilowatt hours per mile, which means the average performance was 233 watt hours per mile. Uh, average drive between charging sessions was 42 miles. Uh, the total overall cost was $246.70 which means my cost per mile was 2.61 cents per mile. Now, I figure at an average $2.50 per gallon gasoline price, my Cooper, God rest its soul, would have cost me about $874 over the same distance. So I saved roughly 72% on fuel costs this year. Now granted, the pandemic sort of threw gas prices off, but even if the gas price was $2 per gallon, I still saved 65%. I 
I do want to talk about my battery health though. If you recall, my car was a lease vehicle in San Jose, California. It left California for private ownership in Arizona where after two months it was listed on Carvana and then it came to live with me in southeastern Kentucky. To be honest, I don't know how it was treated out west. I think it was probably treated favorably just in the fact that it had less than 10,000 miles on the odometer and its overall condition was immaculate. When I got it, I checked the super secret hidden menu to see what the battery capacity was. The rated capacity on the 2017 i3 is 33.2 kilowatt hours, but according to BMW, the usable capacity, which I read as what you travel with, was 27.2 kilowatt hours. And we've talked about battery management systems before, so I'm sure that the difference between the 33 and the 27 is to keep a person from overcharging or deep discharging the battery pack. Anyway, the secret menu revealed that the capacity was at 23, no, I'm sorry, 29.3 kilowatt hours when I got the car. Now, it reads 27.4. By my calculations, I received the car with 88.3% of its original capacity and now it has 82.5. I lost 5.7% over the past year. I think I read somewhere that batteries have the burn-in period where they degrade rapidly at first and then they level off to a certain point after which they degrade much more slowly up until they get towards the end of their life and then it, it bottoms out again. Um, I can't cite chapter and verse on that, so that may just be wishful thinking on my part. Either way, I don't know how my car was treated before I got it. I don't know how much DC fast charging was involved or how high or low the state of charge got, but I do know how I treated it. So this time next year, I will be curious to see how healthy my battery pack is then. This anniversary and information coincides with another thing that came up this week. The utility for which I work is having a strategic planning meeting sometime in the next two weeks. I was asked my opinion about the futures of EV in our territory. This came on the heels of a webinar I saw Monday, I guess, uh, which was presenting uh, the EV program that a rural cooperative in North Carolina has developed. Now, to be clear, I don't speak for the brand, the company, or any of its affiliates, but I will tell you what my response to this was. Now, I'm sure the person asking me this was expecting me to suggest a time of use rate or an EV only rate as being our next step. Or maybe I should suggest that we dive into DC fast charging or build out more infrastructure. Maybe they were expecting me to say we need a level two incentive rebate home charging program to where we 
assist homeowners in buying level two chargers. And although all of these are fine ideas and may or may not happen in the future, I think these discussions are premature. And EV only rate at this juncture is premature because, uh, face it, I'm paying 2.6 cents a mile. I've cut my fuel cost by 72%. How is the co-op going to offer me as an EV owner an incentive to change my charging habits? True, I usually begin charging around 9 p.m., but to be honest, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and the car is plugged in right now. Um, that's because I was getting near that 20% threshold and I'm going to need it this evening. But that being set aside, what about the EV owner that gets home at 5.30 p.m. and plugs in immediately as soon as they get in the garage? How inexpensive does charging have to be for him to change later or to start charging later at night? Does it, um, are we talking half? Do they need to cut my cost to 1.3 cents a mile? Um, and, and if the co-op can do that, is it sustainable as a business model? There's a lot of logistics there too. Um, how are we going to monitor this? Are we going to have separate meters? Um, if we don't, how would you know when people are charging? Um, time of use is a way that you can control this, but we've looked at time of use before, and um, it's just a challenge for us. Um, you see, we have two different peak windows from our... GNT provider generation and transmission and the peak windows are uh, differ winter to summer and the one in the winter is actually a split peak morning and evening so how do you work that out uh, you can charge 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. July August and September but come October you can only charge between 1230 in the afternoon and 4 or 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think trying to shoehorn this into a plan right now is premature, especially given the EV saturation in, in uh, southeastern Kentucky. And again, it comes back to what's my incentive to change my behavior, because that's exactly what you want people to do when it comes to charging their car is you want to um, push the charging off to a time where it's beneficial for the cooperative based on baseload and I know we've all had these discussions but again it has to be sustainable the co-op cannot lose money just to provide a charging rate I mean it has to be at least break even. Infrastructure projects too from a utility standpoint are large exposure with little ROI. Um, even though our cooperative is a nonprofit, it's still a business and not a charity. 
is supposed to be equitable for all. Now, I did suggest that we um, go ahead and partner with somebody like Evolve Kentucky and their um, adopted charger program where they match investors with businesses to get level two charging in strategic locations. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, they're working on a project that is going to be on our system in my town. So I cannot uh, wait to see how that plays out. Um, I think, you know, this is a, we, it's great that we have a, an organization like that that is helping to build out the infrastructure. And it's, uh, they're slowly making Kentucky where the rural areas are not just infrastructure deserts. Uh, but anyway, my biggest suggestion in all of this was that we continue as we've done in the past with our level two charging stations and what I've done with my I3 and that is educate, evaluate, and then implement. Right now, we need to be educating our membership on what's possible and what to expect, which I think is a major roadblock for a lot of people. They just don't know, and they don't know what they don't know. I feel like a lot of America thinks that all EVs are Tesla, and they all cost $50,000 plus. And we know better than that. We know that there's a secondary market for used EVs where you can get them at a fraction of the cost and they're still good, reliable, dependable, sustainable automobiles. We've discussed gas pump mentality. We've discussed infrastructure deployment apprehension, which used to be known as range anxiety. And like I said, people need to know what is possible and what is realistic. All the rest will come in its own time. I sort of equate it to driving a car in the dark. You can only see what your headlights illuminate. You know where you're going, you've planned your route, but you can't make specific turns until they are in sight. Right now, I feel like we're making turns and we're not exactly sure where we're going. Anyway, I'm curious to hear your ideas. Um, EVs in Kentucky are still a novelty, but curiosity is up. So, should we, as an organization, focus on education for now or something more tangible? Uh, like I said, let me know your opinion. Uh, what are utilities in your areas doing um, to help foster EV growth? Guys, um, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'm going to stop here. Hopefully, it won't be another three weeks before we can get together again. Uh, please um, subscribe and share. I want to continue to provide value to you, but I really want to um, impact this entire conversation. So please, please share, because like I said just moments ago, uh, people don't know what they don't know, and we need to let them know what is possible and what is realistic.
we need to cut through all the crap so that they can get a better understanding and not be so apprehensive about EVs in general. I want to help small town America embrace EVs in a big way. So until next time, just remember the EV revolution is here. Proclaim it on every back road in this great land. It's a fun ride.